Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. Hey, y'all. We wanted to take you back and give you one of the most popular episodes ever on the podcast. And it happens to actually be one from the very, very beginning. So if you haven't heard my story about how I went from getting laid off in the corporate world to replacing my cushy corporate income in 30 days, you're in for a treat because we're doing a throwback and we're giving you the most popular episode ever. We'll be back to our regularly scheduled program here soon, but in the meantime, we hope you enjoy. So today we get to hear from Abigail. I'm actually going to sit down and interview her. We're all comfy with our coffee and blankets here because it's chilly. But I wanted to remind you guys that even though this is not what we do right now full-time, this is what we did before Think Creative Collective was born. So we're kind of taking it way back, and I still think there are really good beefy strategies that you guys are going to take away from these interviews. So we're going to get into them, but know that Abigail is not a full-time designer anymore. We do run Think Creative Collective. These are the olden days, and these are the creative careers that led us to form Think Creative Collective together. So we're going to get right into it. How are you doing, babe? Hey. Hey. Good morning. Good morning. So yeah, we're going to get into it. I know some of our audience maybe has heard from past talks that we've done, but I think it's pretty incredible to remind people that you got the pink slip. You got laid off. But more importantly and bigger than that, when you got the pink slip, within 30 days, you were able to replace your corporate income, which I think is bananas. So I would love for you to break down all those steps of what life looked like just before you got the pink slip. Did you have clients before you got the pink slip? What did it feel like to get that notice? And what were the initial steps that you took to try to not be a frazzled hot mess and go after your dreams? Yeah. So I think I was like a lot of people who get laid off 
I could kind of feel it coming. You know, I worked in this startup environment. It was a cool business. It was really interesting. I mean, it has literally nothing to do with what I do now. I was literally in traffic optimization. Sexy. (laughs) I know. I was an in-house designer. And but there was just some stuff going on internally that I could tell that my job was in jeopardy. And so when they told me goodbye, goodbye, I wasn't I wasn't shocked, but I also feel like I did a lot of really cool things to prepare for that moment because I could feel it coming because I did know it was on the horizon, even though they didn't say it. So I think a lot of people who do have this happen, yes, they might be shocked at the actual like, oh shit, like it really just happened. That just happened. happened. I think usually you know, like there's something going on in the business that gives you some sort of indication that you don't have stability and you need to be prepared. Yeah. So I I started out with doing simple things. Like I had previously run, I would call it a freelance business because it was it wasn't very official. I had a website. I had some services up there that I could do for people and people would hire me, but it wasn't, it generally wasn't that people found my website and they hired me. It was like, they knew me already from some instance, or they had, you know, talked to one of my friends or previous clients and had that personal recommendation. And so those people would contact me for design work. So when I decided, okay, I'm going to like have this backup plan. I didn't really know what I was doing. Like I didn't know I was making a backup plan. There was just like, it was literally like gut reaction. Like I need to do these things because I don't know what's next for me. And so I'm in a weekend, like this was before I got the pink slip in a weekend. I was like, I'm going to make a website and I'm going to start blogging because that's what people do. Totally normal. So Totally normal. So on a Friday afternoon, I came home from work and told my husband, okay, don't expect to talk to me all weekend. I'm going to go in my hole and I'm going to make this thing. And he's like, okay, whatever. Sure, sure. And I was like, I'm going to start a Squarespace site because this seems pretty easy. My previous website was totally hand-coded by myself. I don't know what I was thinking. I was crazy. <laughs> totally crazy. And so I was like, this will be way easier I can start blogging. I've always wanted to blog. I literally had a blog on my old site where I hacked Blogger to match (laughs) my blog or match my website. That was a pain in the butt. I don't know what I was doing. That was a terrible idea, by the way. Do not do that. (laughs) If you need a blog, start with Squarespace. I I would start with Squarespace. Absolutely. So I made that website in a weekend and said, you know what, I'm going to start blogging five days a week because that's also super yeah, normal. totally. You have all the time in the world. <laughs> all the time in the world. So when I started, it wasn't necessarily with, I want to make money from this. It was just, a, I need an outlet to kind of find my place in the world. I need a place to talk. And I really love teaching, but I didn't necessarily know that's what I wanted my blog to be. So I did everything from talking about how to optimize LinkedIn mm-hmm to writing recipes. Actually, I didn't write the recipe. That's a lie. My good friend Heather wrote the recipe. She's like way more of a homemaker than I am. I do not cook or I bake occasionally, but it's usually because I want to eat cake. (laughs) (laughs) So I started blogging and I didn't really know why or what the purpose was. And that wasn't important. It was just I needed to start putting my words out into the world and I needed to start, you know, telling people that I have something cool to offer. Mm -hmm. 
And there wasn't even, I don't think there was services on there at all. Like, I literally think it was just a blog. So how long were you blogging before you got laid off? Like, two weeks. Two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe three weeks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it wasn't very long. But when they gave me the pink slip, they said, okay, you have 30 days. Mm-hmm. And so that's what inspired me to replace my income because they said, we're going to give you a full month mm-hmm. to find other employment before we kick you out door. But it was such a like awkward situation where they're like, you can be here, but you don't really have much to do. I mostly want you to look for a job while you're at work. Cool. Okay. I was like, so you're going to pay me to sit here. Mm-hmm. So I was like, awesome. I'm going to go blog at work. Yeah. I'm going to like set up client meetings at work, all of this stuff that I don't know if I should have been doing, but I didn't care. And at the time I didn't even necessarily know I wanted to start a business. I literally was fixing my resume and applying for jobs. And I talked to more recruiters that month than I probably ever have in my whole life because I didn't know, like I had only been in other normal people jobs since college. And so I thought I needed another design job. And I was hoping at this point in my career that I had enough experience that maybe I could, you know, be a creative director or at least start moving up the chain a little bit. But there was just something in my gut going to these meetings. I was like, like I worked in-house places, but if I really wanted to move up, I probably had to switch back to agency. Mm-hmm. And that meant giving up a lot of my life. Mm-hmm. It meant long hours. It meant having these really high profile clients. And I didn't necessarily know if I wanted to, you know, work for Coke or Colgate mm-hmm. or, you know, I mean, like, gi- like ginormous, ginormous yeah. brands. Billion dollar brands. Um, yeah, these are the businesses that, you know, a lot of the agencies in Kansas City were working with. And I was just not sure if that's what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of it, I, I just had to go with my gut. And so I sat down with my husband. I do this a lot, uh, by the way. If you're anything like me, you sit down to have a quote conversation, Mm -hmm. but it usually ends up being me telling him what I want and then him just staring me blank in the face. (laughs) Like I was not prepared for this conversation. I have literally nothing to say. (laughs) So I told him I wanted to start a business. I said, you know what? Like I've always wanted this. I've always wanted to work for myself. Will you support me? Will you be behind me 100% if I decide to pursue this thing? And there was definitely some hesitation, but he agreed that, okay, I'll let you try this thing, but you got to prove to me that you can provide because up until this point, I had always been the breadwinner in our relationship and in our marriage. He was unemployed for a year and a half at one point. And so me getting laid off scared the pants off of him Mm -hmm. because now all of a sudden this weight was on him. And obviously any man, usually if they're married, they typically have this instinct that they want to provide. And so that wasn't going away. Like he obviously was going to take care of us. But because I had brought in the majority of the income up until that point, It was scary for me to say no, because I had carried insurance. I had been the one, you know, investing in retirement funds. And for me to say no to, quote, steady, reliable income, right? which I have issues with that, and we can go into that later. But saying no to that was a really big risk. 
but I knew I wanted this thing. So I said, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm, I need clients. Like I need clients immediately. Mm -hmm. And when I decided to go into business, I knew if I was going to survive, I had to do the thing that would be easiest to me to make money. And at that point, that meant taking on other small businesses as clients Mm -hmm. and doing design work for them because that's what I had done my entire career. So you talked about having a couple of clients yourself when you still were at your corporate job. Were you able to keep those clients when you left? So, I mean, I definitely had a couple people before, but most of the people I worked with, they were so small that they would work with me, you know, like on their initial branding and maybe we'd do like their letterhead and logo and business card and stuff like that. But because they were so small, they couldn't necessarily afford to keep paying me for things. So it would be more like a one-time relationship and they might pop up three years later needing something else. But generally they try to just stick with the beginning and move on. So the only really steady, like ongoing client I had was actually a musician And I designed his iTunes EP covers Mm -hmm. Um, and those were cheap and easy and, but that was definitely not going to pay the bills. And so I needed something that I could pay the bills with. And so I wasn't necessarily looking for clients that would pay me month to month. Like I wasn't, I didn't go after retainers because that wasn't something I was familiar with. I I knew I could do project-based work and I knew I could do branding and I dubbed myself a website designer, even though I had built, you know, all of three websites in my life, but I went to school for it. You know, it's cool. I can do whatever. (laughs) Mom told me I could do whatever. It's her fault. So I went after these people, but it wasn't, it wasn't really like, pursuing small businesses. I really just met with people. I took everyone I could possibly think of to coffee that had any sort of play in the Kansas City area. And what I mean by that is like, they were just connected people. I mean, I was young and I'd only been in Kansas City a year and a half, like after coming back from like, I stayed in my college town and worked for several years before I came back to the city. And so I I didn't really feel like I had a ground in Kansas City. Most of my clients that I had were actually back in my college town. And so I felt like I was starting over. And so I needed to meet people. And the fastest way I could think of meeting people was finding people I already knew that were way more in tune with what was going on than I was. Like these people were on board of directors for nonprofits and they were, you know, executives in their own businesses or they were high up in, you know, some other business. And generally they weren't like crazy older than me. I mean, some of them are in their thirties, early forties. And I just felt like they knew what their life was like way more than I did. So how did you find them? How did you know who they were and how did you make that initial contact? Yeah, for sure. So the initial finding them, a lot of them I knew through the junior league. So I'm really involved in a local organization and it's women and they're not all necessarily in their own businesses. Like they have corporate jobs and they have all these different things, but I had been exposed to a bunch of different women. And so these women weren't necessarily my friends. They were just people that I knew were 
higher up in the organization. And so I started there as a good starting point. And then every time I took someone to coffee, I said, okay, thank you, A, for doing this. But B, like, can you introduce me to two or three people that you think either A, I should be connecting with, or B, could be a potential client for me. So some of it was searching on LinkedIn and finding these people. But generally, I knew them in some way, whether it was like once or twice removed. And if I felt like I needed to meet with someone and I didn't have a connection, I would try to find someone I knew that knew them and that could introduce me. So when you took them to coffee before you got to the, hey, thanks, who else can you introduce me to? What did you talk about? Yeah, so we would talk about, you know, my layoff and we would, I would be really open and honest about what was going on in my personal life and that I wanted to start this business. And these were the skills I possessed. I really spent some time talking about my skills, but I also spent a lot of time interviewing them because any good meeting should be way more about the person you invite than yourself. And so I tried to find out more about them. I generally knew enough that I knew it was going to be a good conversation, but I would try to come into it with like asking them about their role in their, whatever business they worked at or owned. And then I would talk to them more about what other organizations they're involved in and who they felt connected to in the community. And I would try to get personal with them. So talk about their kids or their spouses. And it was more of a get to know you session than it was anything else. There was no like, I want to do work for you. Like it was not pitching myself at all other than literally telling them I want to start a business. It wasn't like, I could hey, sell you this I, thing. Yeah, no, like it was just a very chill upfront thing. That that definitely came later, mm-hmm. but the initial conversations were, how can you help me? So at this point in the initial conversations, I know you had your website and I know you had been blogging. Did you have business cards, a business name, services, a price idea, or is this all just like feeling the lay of the land first? So I had definitely done some research and had looked online at, you know, what other people were doing. Cause I feel like, not that that's a good approach, but <laughs> I, I, I didn't know, like, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And so before I had had a list of services that was like anything from, billboards to, you know, websites, which I mean, really ran the gamut. And sure, they were things I had done in my jobs. Like, if you want a 30 foot design, like I know how to make it happen. And I know who to print with them, who to print with and like how to purchase a billboard. But like, most small businesses don't need billboards. And so like, I had to hone in on, okay, so realistically, these aren't necessarily the services they need. And I started trying to build packages that I thought would maybe work. And um, it was more about, okay, I'm going to build this thing. And it was focused on just branding and website design. Like I took it down from like, I can do anything for anybody to, I'm just going to do branding and website design. So I would do like business cards or, you know, a couple of collateral things maybe, but it was focused on that. And I definitely, even though I said, that's all I did. I, if they became a client, I would service what other things they needed because I needed money, but that was the initial thought. So I threw that up on the website. So let's go forward a little bit. You've had some coffee dates. You maybe have made some connections. You've got some people coming in the door. 
what are the things that you decided to really focus your attention on other than taking care of the client and continuing the blog? Did you invest in anything else? Did you have any other softwares? Did you have any other tools or did you solely focus on, okay, let me just get this client work done and get more clients? It was definitely just clients. Like the only thing I had purchased was a website and I think I made some business cards. I'm pretty sure I did because that sounds like something I would do. <laughs> but that was it. Like I didn't I didn't buy an email. Like I did start my email list, but it was just a free account on Mailchimp. I didn't have any fancy lead software like lead pages. I didn't I didn't have webinar jam. I didn't, I, I, that's not the world I was in. I was like, I am just going to find clients. And the blog honestly wasn't the thing leading to business at the time. Honestly, it was more of a hobby side hustle thing than it was anything else. But I knew it was like a long-term gain because I wanted to serve different people because the people I started working with right out of the gate were not necessarily who I wanted to work with forever. And obviously that changed many, many times until I stopped doing design altogether. That's a whole nother story. (laughs) So give me a kind of comparison of life when you were working in the corporate world, but you were side hustling. And so you would work on your blog at work or at night. You would research stuff, work on client stuff at work or at night versus when you finally spent your 30th day at the corporate job and you were now home all day to do stuff, what were, how were your days different? Yeah. So when I worked full time, I would get up at like five in the morning. I would shower and I would get ready and that'd take about an hour. And then I drove to work, which was like a 45, 50 minute commute. I was the first one to the office. I made coffee for myself. I didn't drink coffee. That I don't know why I made coffee. I felt like I needed to fit in. So I would make coffee for myself. I'd go sit at my desk. It'd usually get cold because I wouldn't drink it. I would just make coffee because I could go talk to people. That was mostly my excuse. And I would do both things. I was like uber productive. I feel like I don't know what people do at nine to fives, but I felt like a lot of the people I were working with were slow. And so (laughs) I could get a lot of the things that people expected of me done in a couple of hours, but I was forced to sit at my desk for eight. And Mm -hmm. so in the meantime, I would get bored and sidetracked and go read a blog or I'd sign up for a webinar Which the cool thing was, I was in a marketing department, a very small marketing department, and I could lead kind of the vision and goals. So I was doing research, quote, for them. Mm -hmm. It wasn't. It was for me. (laughs) But I, I did bring a lot of ideas to the table for how to move their business forward. But I would, you know, watch other webinars and I would write when I wasn't supposed to be writing. I would answer client emails when I wasn't supposed to be answering client emails. But I... I needed to survive. And to me, the risk of, you know, doing some things I probably shouldn't have been doing at my corporate job were important to me to move the business forward so that I could survive. But when I got home, when I was, you know, I turned in my keys and left the building for the last time, I went home and I was really scared because this wasn't actually the first time I was laid off. I was laid off a year and a half before when I had worked in an ad agency and I was unemployed for three months before I found something else. And in that time, 
I got really depressed, like very depressed. Sat on my couch, cried a lot, sat in my pajamas and just sulked. And just, you know, I was just so nervous that being home, I would go to this place again of darkness and feeling like I wasn't worthy. But the thing was that was a little crazy was after coming out of those 30 days, I had a plan. I had wrote a business plan. I had clients and I was so busy. I didn't have time to be depressed. I was Mm -hmm. just hustling and like writing like a mad woman for the blog and writing emails once a week to a list of who knows? I don't even know who those first 200 people were. Probably right. all friends from college. <laughs> I don't think I had 200 friends, though. Let's be honest. I literally have no idea who those first 200 <laughs> people are. If you are one of them and you are listening to this podcast, <laughs> I would love to know that. That would be so awesome. But I just kept, you know, working. It was, I would get up. My my schedule totally changed. So I got up way later. I was like, I'm sleeping in. So <laughs> sleeping in for me was getting up at eight instead of five. And I would get on the computer and work and work and work and work and work all day. I probably would forget to eat lunch because I was so excited and working so hard. My husband would come home and we would, you know, make dinner and watch some TV. And then I would go back to work. Because I wanted this so badly to work. Not that I suggest people work as much as I did, but I was probably working 15, 16 hours a day for the first couple of months. And, you know, yes, I replaced the corporate income that first month out of the gate, but there was also hiccups. Like there was ebbs and flows and there was months where I was wondering if I was going to get paid at all after that. So I was just doing whatever I could to keep afloat. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get Get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. So talk to us a little bit about I know when you first started taking on clients and you said, I just had to do stuff that I knew was going to make me money. And I knew, I know personally that you said yes to stuff that you definitely would not say yes to now. And it wasn't maybe in your ideal client range. And I know a lot of people struggle with what to say yes and no to, especially at the beginning. And so how did you justify saying yes to someone that maybe wasn't that ideal client, but you knew it could help pay the bills. And when did you start to see that shift of more and more ideal clients coming through? Or when did you actually know what type of projects you wanted to even be working on? Yeah. So I think at first it was a lot of businesses in my local community. And so I was connected with another designer. Actually, I talked to her. She was in one of my coffee dates. I found her someone hooked me up, who's hooked me up, who hooked me up. And she was in the business too. She did what I did. She had previously worked corporate and she started her own business, but she had been doing it long enough that she was actually too busy and she would hand me clients. I paid her a referral fee. Like I had to actually pay for those clients, but it meant guaranteed work. And that was worth it to me that I didn't have to go spend the time to find these people. They literally showed up in my email inbox as jobs. And so I took that and ran with it. But you know, as as time went on, I was able to kind of show my skill set a little bit more. Way back in the day, I thought, like, literally, we're talking college here, I thought I wanted to design cereal boxes. Oh, that sounds crazy. But I was like intrigued by the food aisle at any grocery store. Like I would just love it. And so I thought as I designed for more and more businesses that I would end up, you know, working with creative people who had food products. And we did that for a while. We worked with a pickle company. 
I worked with a salsa company. I worked with this woman who made bourbon balls and beer cheese and all of this stuff. And for me, it was like a dream come true. Like I got to work on packaging and all of this stuff. But the thing that kind of gave me a, like, I don't know if this is really what I want was that they, the more I worked with them, the higher my prices got and the higher my prices got, the more I got away from the people I really loved connecting with. And those were the people that were like at the very beginning who were just like really excited about starting a business and to get find people who were willing to invest as much as I was charging. I had to find people who had been in business a little bit longer or who were just used to having more expenses. And that really got away from, you know, I really wanted to work with creative women, you know, mm-hmm. but that's just not where I was at. So talk to me about, I remember very clearly the shift of when it finally, when maybe we thought we were going to be doing design and photography work for a lot longer than we ended up doing it, of deciding to work with creative small business owners. And so how did that shift? What I say we now, because we were together at this point, how did it begin to shift what we decided to offer and what did we take away? Because we helped, we realized really that we could serve people in different ways. Yeah. So I think keep in mind all the while we're, I say we now too, cause it's, it's a confusing <laughs> line for those of you who don't know our story. Like we met on the internet and we decided after a few short months to go into business together and we essentially just merged our services. So we went from doing, I was just doing branding and website design to all of a sudden I had Emily who could offer this custom photography, which worked really well because if we booked a website, we could include the photography and that might include product photography or, you know, a styled shoot or something like that. But, you know, I just felt like, We kept narrowing our services to try to get closer to what we wanted. And it just kept getting like, we just kept working with bigger and bigger businesses instead of going the other direction. And so we had made, you know, tons of other content at this point that was teaching a totally different person. The blog had taken off and really started serving, you know, women in the very early stages of business. And we wanted to help them in a totally different way. And so I think we slowly decided to back away from that client work. But it was after a lot of trial and error. And it wasn't that we like pivoted overnight. It was that you know, we saw a dream and it was out there and mm-hmm. we just went for it. Yeah. It was scary. <laughs> it was really scary. So I would love for you to give some advice. I know a lot of our listeners work a full-time job, mm-hmm. work a part-time job, or have just so much else on their plate. And they have this side hustle and they have the dream of where they want it to be. What do you recommend for them to focus on at the beginning and What do you recommend that they don't focus on at the beginning? So I think the biggest thing is really focusing on that thing you know you can make money with. So I, when I started the business, I focused on design because I knew I could sell it. Like I knew how to do it. I had experience being in those design meetings with clients, I'd walked the walk. And so it was really easy to turn around and sell it to other people. So if you're just starting out, if you're just at the very brink of 
your beginnings, I wouldn't do something that's crazy different from your experience. And I know that sounds really icky because a lot of times I feel like creatives, especially it's like there may be an accountant, but then they want to do, you know, calligraphy Mm -hmm. or something. And if you're an accountant and you want to do calligraphy, not that you can't do it, but Honestly, I would have you start an accounting business before I would have you start a calligraphy business. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if you want to slowly, you know, transition away, you can build this other thing, but it's really hard to start on something you've never ever done before. And but that's absolutely not to say that it can't be because I mean if you take us for example, take a designer, take a photographer, neither one of us two years ago would have been like, oh, we'll be teaching people from all over the world solely through courses and webinars and our blog. Like that just wasn't it was a natural shift as it was happening, but you couldn't see from point A to point B very clearly from the very beginning. It was very foggy. Like there was, uh, and I think the biggest thing was, I will still say to this day, it felt like even though it was one business, technically, it was like certain aspects of the business were focused on something that was future focused. Mm -hmm. So like the blog and our social media were focused on something entirely different. They weren't necessarily about getting clients in the door because we didn't have a problem getting clients in the door. That was not the issue. So they that was focused on where we wanted it to go. And the day-to-day work in the meantime was focused on what we knew how to do and what we could sell. So if you're starting out and you're like, okay, maybe I'm an accountant and I'm going to start doing this accountant work for other creatives with the hope that I get in kind of a community that I can maybe transition to calligraphy. But like, maybe you start doing like cool quote graphics on for your business, or maybe you start an Etsy shop on the side and you just talk about it on your social media channels. I mean, I feel like you can have multiple things going all at the same time and they can be under one hat and it can be a little crazy and not make complete sense yet, but it doesn't have to make complete sense in the beginning. I think it's all about doing what you can do to make the money and then go back and not go back, but be doing things that are focused on where you want to be going too. So what are the mistakes you think people who have that full-time job, who have the creative fire under their butt... What are they making that's not moving that creative side hustle further like they hope it would? I think a lot of people make excuses. And, you know, I I know that's hard. Like, it's a little harsh. But personally, I felt like I had a fire under my booty and I was willing to do whatever it took to get there. And in the beginning, that meant working more hours. Not because I I didn't have to work those hours. But if I wanted to get there at the speed that I wanted to get there, I had to put in the time. And I didn't make excuses that I didn't have time. Like, sure, I didn't have kids distracting me. And I realized for some people, that's a huge hurdle. Like when you have other literal obligate, like a human Mm -hmm. child needs to eat. (laughs) Like I get that. But I think really saying, okay, I do have kids. And that means I'm going to be focused on them after work. But at eight o'clock when they go to bed, I'm going to devote at least two hours a day to this thing. Like do that. Like Mm -hmm. find the time and 
don't make excuses for yourself because you're the only one who can hold yourself accountable. So if it's what you really want, you have to do what you have to do to get there. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think deciding to focus on things that are truly moving the business forward instead of just adding on to what the business offers or what it looks like or the exact shade of blush pink that it is or whatever. Like we like to hang up on such tiny details of what our brand looks like and offers instead of, okay, but is it bringing money in the door? Yeah. And I think focusing on those profit earning strategies. Mm -hmm. So like what is literally going to bring more bodies so that more people see your stuff so that once more people see your stuff, more people are going to buy because that's really important. It's Mm -hmm. exposure is huge. And so I think those market marketing activities and those profit generating strategies Mm -hmm. are where you have to put the focus first. And, you know, redesigning your logo 17 times mm-hmm. I, although it's super tempting I can't and even fun yeah, yeah of course so like, fun I get that 100% like that obviously with the design background you can imagine how often I wanted to tweak things but I had to just leave it alone because nobody really cared what my no logo one cares. looked like nobody mm-hmm. cared what my business was called and now I have things to say about making it easy to say or easy right. to search that sort of thing. But like, I mean, if you make up your make up a word and expect your business to excel, like you're probably going to have problems. But that's a whole nother story. Yeah, I think it definitely goes just in line with having your expectations of your goals match the time that you have to put into it. And the work that you're putting into it, because no one, you know, if you only have an hour a day, that's fine. That's not the problem. You can definitely still build a business on that. But make sure the goals that you're wanting and the growth patterns that you're wanting are aligned with working on it an hour a day. Yeah, I think being realistic on what's possible is really hard, especially in the beginning, because I do think you you're guessing on your growth capabilities. I think you're guessing on how much money you'll make. I think a lot of people a year in find themselves a little bit disappointed. I mean, even me, I was hustling my butt off. Been there. Butt off. And I still was like, like it was, it was when you considered the income I made at the business before I was laid off. And then that first, you know, I guess nine months or so of income, it was very close to what I would have been making on salary. But I was still like, but I worked 40 million times harder than I would have if I had been in a nine to five. Like I put in way more hours than I would have if I was in a nine to five, but it was still worth it. And then the year two was like, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. So I would love for us to do our segment of talk strategy to me. I would love for you to give us three to five action steps. Someone who is wanting to make their creative hustle, their full-time job and have literally nothing, no idea on where to start. They don't have anything yet. What are the things you think they need to be deciding on doing, buying, implementing, whatever to get it started? Sure. So I have I have three really important ones. I think I think every person in business needs a website. I, I don't I don't think it needs to be a hundred percent figured out. I don't think it needs to be perfect, but it needs to be there. So do it yourself. Get on Squarespace. Yeah. Design the thing. 
and move on. Like, and I know even if you're like, but I don't design anything. Squarespace has templates. Yeah. You don't even have to insert a logo. You can literally type the name of your business yep. and be off and running in a couple of hours. So I think one, you need a website. Two, you need a plan. So I created a business plan. It wasn't fancy. It was literally, what am I going to have for sale? And how am I going to price it? And how am I going to get clients? And what's my process for following up? Spoiler alert, we have an easy business plan for you. And we'll drop the link in the show notes. Sounds amazing. (laughs) So you can, uh, you know, make this plan. And then you just got to start implementing. And so I think the third piece is don't be afraid to talk to people. And so meeting with people either in person or, you know, contacting people online, asking for Skype dates. I think literally just getting yourself in a community, whether that's in a Facebook group or, I mean, I really think that one-on-one connection is what you really, really need in the very, very beginning. Um, Talk to other businesses that have things that you would like to offer and don't come from it from like a place of competition. Like all of a sudden you're going to be competing with them because you're not. Mm -hmm. And that's awesome. So, Mm -hmm. you know, meet with people, start your website, have a plan and just go for it. You got it, babe. Well, thanks so much for sharing your story. I'm excited for everyone. Mm -hmm. I know that was like crazy and a little all over the place, but you know what? If I can do it, and I literally was a disaster. It was, it was, it was a hot mess express for. It's still a hot mess sometimes. (laughs) But be real, you can do this. So I don't want you to be discouraged. And if you want to make income, you can. Yep, you got it. Well, thanks for chatting with us today, baby. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the Co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy-to-customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor, to get podcast updates and all the behind the scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show, but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.